Welcome to Market Scale Education and Technology. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have an opportunity to have a conversation with Nancy Varallo and Jim DiCrescenzo from Project Steno. Jim is president and Nancy is an executive director. Good morning, both of you. How are you today? Doing well, Sean. How about you? I'm doing very well. Nancy, how about yourself? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for having us. It's my pleasure. So let me get the official title because the name you go by and the actual name, the formal name, are a little bit different. The formal name is Project to Advance Stenographic Reporting, and you do business as Project Steno. That's correct. So do me a favor. Uh, Let's start, Nancy, if you would, please. As the executive director, what do you do? Really, on, I'm sorry, that seems really stupid way to ask that question. What's your day-to-day like is what I meant to say. Well, as executive director for Project Steno, I spend an awful lot of time talking with young people who are looking for a fabulous career. I get calls daily, I get emails, and I get texts to discuss uh, the fabulous career of court reporting. So I spend time talking with them not only about the wide range of choices they have as a stenographic reporter, but also our tuition assistance program at Project Steno. We are at Project Steno. Our mission is to increase the numbers of court reporters in our field. And it's by attracting young people to this profession that we do that. So that's pretty much my day-to-day job. So, Jim, what was your path? Like, how did you decide, hey, you know what, court reporting, that's kind of interesting. What was the what was the impetus? Well, uh, quite long ago in high school, there used to be typing classes, and I was in a typing class and saw, saw a demonstration of court reporting, and I thought, man, that's something I'd like to do. And uh, it, uh, I was 47 years as an active reporter, and now I'm semi-retired before getting involved in Project Steno a little more than a year ago when we began. Well, I can remember back when people took typing classes. I can also remember when they took piano lessons. Nancy, you know more than a little bit about piano lessons, I guess. Well, that's exactly right. I started college as a music major, and my dad was a court reporter. So as he opened up his own court reporting agency, I got to see him hiring young men and women who were buying new cars and buying homes quickly um, in this great paying career. And I decided the heck with the piano keyboard, I'm going to go to the steno keyboard and follow in my dad's footsteps. So that's how I got into court reporting. Now, Nancy, you were thinking about being a piano teacher at one point, weren't you? That's correct. That is absolutely correct. So you just decided to teach people how to use uh, a different type of keyboard? Well, I decided music wasn't going to be my end game in my life uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, As I said, the appeal of a high paying job as a court reporter when I was 19 years old was really strong. So I decided to become a court reporter and eventually in my career ended up teaching. So I've been teaching court reporting students on and off since the mid 80s. Well, you both obviously have a passion about this, and and I don't think it was an accident that you both wound up at this point in time with this project. I am curious, though, in the changes that you see, because you're both about my age, and technology is changing our world at an incredibly rapid pace on an almost daily basis. What sort of trends are you seeing in the field of stenographic reporting that really need to be monitored? What do we need to be watching for? Sean, I'll, I'll take a first stab at that answer. And when we started, 
um, we were writing on stenotype machines that had paper coming out of them, and the imprints on the paper were made uh, via a ribbon and ink. Now, uh, come forward this many years, and we're writing on computerized stenotype machines that instantly translate the spoken word, uh, uh, put there, you know, the, the proper keys um, input by the court reporter, the skill of the court reporter, and the real-time feed of the court reporter's stenotype machine goes immediately to a computer, and that computer displays the text. You see similar outputs on your TV when you watch uh, a television show and the captions are running by. That's a remote stenotype court reporter listening to the program with a pair of headsets and writing the program, and it gets put onto your TV screen so that you could read the text. So we've gone from paper, uh, carbon paper and paper to real-time translation of the spoken word. And the constant in all of that has been the human court reporter who you can't replace the ability of a court reporter to hear and understand and translate the human word. Okay, so uh, here's my first conversational off-ramp because I know you know the answer to this, and this is to both of you. When I am watching TV in a noisy environment and they have the closed caption turned on, there are some times, I don't know if, I haven't paid attention if it's by channel or by event, but there are times when there is no way the words that are coming across the screen are what the person on the screen actually said. I'm betting that that is probably because that particular program didn't have human monitoring. I will be happy to answer that. That is actually correct. There are several different methodologies of creating captions, and by far the most requested and most accurate is that of a stenographic reporter. If you see errors on the screen, I always liken it to the piano. The faster we play, the more frequent uh, mistakes we might be making. So if we're um, captioning a very fast news television program, you might see some human fingering errors. And if you're watching something a little bit slower, like perhaps a baseball game or a golf tournament, those captions tend to be nice and clean because the speaking um, voice is going a little bit slower. But uh, yes, you are right. It is reassuring to know that there are industries where technology just is not on par with human performance. And stenography is definitely one of those fields. As you mentioned, there's no substitution currently for human cognition, but computers are getting better. So what sort of training do you think we need to focus on from the human side in order to maintain the need for human reporters? Well, there's always going to be a need for human reporters because uh, even the fastest computers are not designed to replicate or understand human speech, and especially multiple speakers. If you, you just think about your experience with any of the uh, softwares that, tr that hear and either translate or are supposed to understand what you're saying and how many errors are made there. Uh, we as stenotype reporters, we hear and understand individual speakers. We identify those speakers before we put the words in that they say, and we include the punctuation. A simple sentence uh, with a different ending punctuation has substantially different meanings. I ate, grandma. 
I ate grandma. You leave out the comma and you have a substantially different meaning. Um, so that's where the importance of the individual reporter and his or her skill comes into play. Now, Project Stano is a relatively unique idea. If if I'm not mistaken, you're the only thing like yourselves. Did I say that right? I don't think I did. You are a unique organization. Talk to me about that. Project Steno started about a year ago when four or five of us got together at a conference and talked about what we could do as individuals to help our profession uh, to help our profession continue on into the future. People are retiring faster than they're coming into it. So we got together a bunch of very senior members of this profession and said, we can make a difference. So we set out a year ago and established this nonprofit organization whose mission is simply to bring awareness to the public about our profession, to get young people interested in coming to court reporting schools. And how do we do that? One of the ways we do that is by providing tuition assistance. So yes, I do believe we are the only organization whose mission is to provide that tuition assistance and awareness to young people today. Now, I know that you have labeled stenographic reporting as the best career you never heard of. If if no one has heard of it, which is obvious, how do you make it attractive? How do you, you know, bring the sizzle when you're trying to improve the recruitment process? Just from a just from a basic presentation, how do you get the word to people to say, hey, this is a viable option? That's one of the challenges that um, the five of us decided to take on. Um, recruitment has always been an issue. And it's gotten more so because parents have believed for the past several years that their children needed to go to college to be successful. That is absolutely not true. I never went to college and had a wonderful career in court reporting, as I know many others like me have. Um, so we need to get the message out to the uh, uh, people that court reporting offers uh, a view into the all the courtrooms throughout the country, the halls of Congress, uh, Hollywood, Camp David. Uh, there's no glass ceiling. Uh, we have a ringside seat to history, easy entree to owning your own business, and a skilled court reporter can earn a, a six-figure income in a couple of years after graduation. And you have worldwide opportunities, literally worldwide opportunities. So it's a field that's open to anyone who wants to rise to the top. If I might add to that, too, one of the things that has been wonderful for me as a court reporter through my career is the choices I had where I could use my skills. And those needs changed over time. So as a young reporter at 20 years old, I was free to work crazy long hours and make a really great salary. Then it came time for children and I wanted a more stable um, work day. And I was able to go into providing what we call CART reporting, but that's an acronym that essentially means captioning for deaf people. Um, most often on site, but often remotely with today's technology. So I would go to high school classes with some deaf students, or I would go to meetings with a deaf man or woman who did not know sign language and who relied on English text in order to participate in those meetings. I knew what time they started, I knew what time they ended, and I could get home to my children. When my children were a little bit older, I went back into the 
uh, judicial side of things, and then ultimately opened up my own firm um, as a court reporter firm owner now. So throughout my career, I have had multiple different jobs with the same set of skills, and that has been an incredible um, opportunity for me that most professions don't offer. Let me just offer uh, a personal experience. And I'm a high school graduate that went to court reporting school and worked very hard to be good at what I did. And that led me to, like Nancy, I was doing captioning for a late deafened uh, PhD biochemist. And I was at a, a global pharmaceutical company here in New Jersey. And we went into a, a room, a darkened room, and there were five of us. And the guy I was captioning for is late deafened, but he came up with a molecule. And so my computer screen was in front of him, like in all meetings, so that he could read what the other people were saying. We all had put on glasses. Um, and then the next thing that happened was absolutely fantastic. The molecule that this gentleman uh, designed seemed suspended in air in front of us. And they were talking about the placement of the carbon atom and the nitrogen atom inside this molecule. Just a fascinating experience. I've met uh, Nobel Prize winners, uh, people who were in concentration camps in the Second World War, um, stars. I mean, I, and I've literally traveled all over the world. So it's a wonderful career that I can't say enough about. I think it would probably be safe to say that this is one of the careers, because it is a career, it's not a hobby, where you actually continue to learn the entire time that you're in the profession, because you are always going to be, there's always the opportunity for you to be in some amazing setting where new knowledge is being formed or presented, and you're just absorbing all that. You probably don't even realize it because you're so focused on the task at hand. You both could probably crush at Jeopardy, I would bet. <laughs> <laughs> we need to know a little bit about a lot of topics. So for a party conversation, I'd take a court reporter any day of the week. I like to say when I go to the doctor, I know what he's talking about because I've taken the testimony of so many doctors in my career. So if he's trying to give me a diagnosis, I actually get it. He doesn't need to explain it. <laughs> so now here's something I would like you to explain to me. I know that you have been able to to codify all of the, the needs for the recruitment process into uh, one, two, three, four basic components. So I want to go through each of those briefly. If you just give me a, a, a couple of sentences, let's start off. Nancy, you mentioned earlier tuition assistance. So talk to me about that initial step in stepping into the program. Sure. Well, there is a program offered by the National Court Reporters Association, which is called the A to Z Discover Steno mm -hmm. Program. We use that as a prerequisite for our tuition assistance project because that is a free program. It lasts about six weeks for a couple of hours each week where people get an opportunity to get their hands on a machine and learn some basic steno theory. So they get to decide without spending any money whether this career is even for them. Do they have the mental um 
capacity to learn this new language called steno? Do they have the dexterity of fingers? Do they have a great, um, a great ability to concentrate and focus and learn new things? So that's been really instrumental in the foundation of our tuition program. Once they go through that A to Z program for free, they can apply to us for tuition assistance They'll sit through an interview and our selection committee will decide which of the students that we interview with we believe can graduate in two years. We're looking to make a quick impact in this profession and put people in this profession as quickly as possible. And that's what we're looking for is a two-year commitment. One area where stenographic reporters work or stenographers work is with state associations. And you've coordinated with that particular area in order to help them focus their needs and to help them fulfill those needs. So state associations have a wonderful access that we want to take advantage of, and that is they're across the country and they have multiple volunteers, volunteers like us who want to do good for the profession. So we have uh, created these four programs, and we've also created a blueprint to give to the state associations for free so that they could pass them out to their volunteer members and have the volunteer members replicate our successes in various programs throughout throughout the country. So we've got specific programs, and there's no need to uh, go into the specifics of it here, but it's a way for the state associations to be successful and to help court reporting schools in their communities be successful. Now, as you mentioned schools, Jim, I want to stick with you for a moment. You've also come up with a guide as part of this recruitment assistance to to help show how vocational schools and high school administrators can actually get value and benefit from teaching uh, stenographic theory. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. Uh, well, what, we, what we've done is uh, gone to vocational schools and high schools and offered to have them teach court reporting and show them the value of the profession. Uh, all the topics that I mentioned to you earlier, no glass ceiling, potential six-figure income, uh, worldwide opportunities, and and they can teach in the high schools either the A to Z course that Nancy touched upon or a comprehensive steno theory course or a beginning speed building course. The way it works is a student learns theory first and then learns how to write that theory quickly, fast enough to write uh, human speech. So we ask the volunteers to, instead of speaking to an individual class, to maybe go and speak with the administrators to show them the value of a court reporting career and maybe have the uh, schools teach court reporting there at the high school or the Votech school. We've been very successful. We have five schools who are currently doing that. And we wrote that down as a blueprint for other state for state associations and their volunteers to replicate what we've done. Again, we're trying to spread the uh, recruitment and training model that we've created throughout the country. Uh, and there's no cost to anybody because we're all volunteers. I will say that we've had great success with uh, one state that we just found out, out about 
one state we just found out about that is interested in possibly teaching court reporting statewide. We're not at liberty yet to say the name of the state because they haven't decided to do it, but we're in the process of doing that. And if we can do that in more states, uh, that would be wonderful. Is there a chance the state name rhymes with Wisconsin? <laughs> I do have a question, and please correct me because I have a feeling I'm wrong. Did both of you learn sh- shorthand with pencil and paper as well? No. No. Okay, so it's not the same thing. Shorthand and stenography are not the same. They're not even the same animal. Court reporting, writing on a stenotype machine, is a form of shorthand. It uses letters of the English alphabet that in combination represent sounds. So I could write any word in the English language that you can say. Some words have defined what we call briefs. In other words, the word preponderance in the legal setting, that's a pretty common word. Um, But for me or many other court reporters, the brief for preponderance would be PP, initial P and final P. Uh, That's just a very small example. I liken writing steno to what the kids do texting today. So everyone knows LOL means laugh out loud or laughing out loud. That's exactly how we write on the steno keyboard. We make up what Jim referred to as briefs and we create our own language. So we learn a basic steno language in school and then we modify that as we go along. I mentioned I take a lot of doctor's depositions. So I might have some brief forms for a lot of medical words such as myocardial infarction. I can write that much like LOL. So you two were like bored millennial texters way before that was even a thing. Correct. (laughs) That's right. Let's talk about the final initiative in this recruitment uh, push that you have. And I'm going to direct this one to you, Nancy. And that is that you have a program geared specifically to military spouses and veterans. Talk to me about why that's so important to you. We're very excited to roll out this program. We're calling it Cover Your Bases. And we'll be looking to bring this stenographic theory to military bases nationwide. There are over half a million military spouses in the Army alone. And those folks, two-thirds of them are under the age of 32. And so many of them are looking for educational opportunities and, more importantly, career opportunities that are portable. So you can learn steno, you can go to court reporting school online, you can live anywhere, your spouse gets transferred, you continue on with school without a hiccup. Same thing when you get out to work. You're in demand as a court reporter. There are jobs waiting for you no matter where you move. So if your spouse gets transferred, you've got a job. We're very excited also about the new GI benefits, which now allow um, servicemen and women to transfer their GI education benefits to family members. There's a couple caveats with that, but that opens up all kinds of opportunity for military family members to attend court reporting school. So we are on a mission to bring, as I said, awareness of our profession to the public. And what a great audience that will be for us. We're very excited to roll out Cover Your Bases. So as two actual, literal thought leaders in the industry, I'd like to ask you a final question, and Jim, we'll have you answer first. What do you see on the horizon for stenography, just as a general, what's the outlook? It's very bright if we can get enough people into the profession, 
because uh, computers are never going to replace the ability of a human to sit there and distinguish between accents, speak people speaking over each other, uh, clinking of glasses, ripping of paper, to uh, a recording device or a computer that's just translating what it hears. All of those sounds receive equal weight, and it will search for a word that it cl- that closely resembles that sound according to the computer. The human brain uh, simply ignores those sounds and listens to the words and writes and records them. Uh, Stenotype reporters have been in the legal profession since the legal profession existed, and we're going to be there for many decades to come. I'm so sure of that, that our youngest son is beginning court reporting school. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Now, Nancy, since day one in the field, you have had to deal with the next big threat, the next thing that's going to end human stenography. What about the challenges that you have seen come and disappear? What about that whole process gives you optimism for the field moving forward? Well, I think you mentioned it. Technologies have come and gone. When I was a young reporter, it was the literal tape recorder they were going to be putting in the in the courtrooms, um, constant threats that we were going to be out of business. Yet, as I've been in this business now since 1979, it's in demand more than ever. I think our remote technology has increased our ability to cover assignments anywhere, whether we're covering them for deaf people and hard of hearing people who are going to college somewhere, or we're handling a courtroom in Arizona when we live in Boston, or when we're handling a deposition across the world via remote technology. So I think part of the problem we have, the biggest threat we have is not enough people coming into this profession. They're in demand. It's what the marketplace wants. We cannot fail the marketplace. We need to supply court reporters for tomorrow to give them what they want, which is the best means of making a record and capturing the spoken word. Today, I've had the privilege of having a conversation with Nancy Varallo and Jim DiCrescenzo from Project Steno. Nancy, Jim, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Sean, very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.